Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. The wheat market surged higher, quarter beans up moderately as we wrapped up trade on Friday and headed to the weekend. Welcome into Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be with you once again as we saw a fairly positive day in the grain markets uh, on Friday. Livestock a little more mixed, but we have... Plenty of news items swirling around the trade to discuss. We saw crude oil higher. That helped pull bean oil higher, which in turn helped pull corn higher too. And the soybean complex higher. Bean meal even finding some strength uh, late in the session. Wheat markets sharply higher, though. A lot of this tied to what's going on between Russia and Ukraine once again. That is still a news item impacting the markets. We also saw Russia cut oil production by 5% on Friday. A lot of different things swirling around impacting the moves to the upside we're going to talk about it coming up here on the program today Dwayne Bussey Bolt Marketing he's going to join us in segment two and three to share his thoughts on the markets as we wrapped up the week on Friday also coming up in segment four we're going to hear from Christine McCracken senior protein analyst of animal protein at Rombo Bank a new pork report they just released we're going to get the details on that coming up as well Kicking things off, though, here on Market Talk today, let's listen back to our midday commentary we had on Friday with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X, getting his thoughts on the market trade, the big surge, the big move in grains we saw on Friday to wrap up the week. I asked Arlen if the Russian news, especially the Russia oil production cut and the uh, war issues, was the biggest factor kind of playing into the trade on Friday. Here's what Arlen had to say about that. Well, I think we have to go back a little bit, set the backdrop on this, a couple of factors that have played into this. Uh, first of all, we saw prices spike almost a year ago when Russia invaded Ukraine on the 24th of February of last year. That was a worry about what this commodity-rich area of the world would be able to export in the years ahead. And uh, certainly that premium has totally disappeared from most of the major commodities that we deal with. Um, the market just became insensitive to the war and what was going on and thought, hey, we're getting along and just remove that risk premium on, and focused on recession worries. If we're going to be in a recession, demand for commodities will be less. That's the backdrop. In fact, some of these markets, the funds had built big short or sold positions. And now we come into 2023 and China has suddenly decided to come out of COVID to open the doors, allow COVID to move through the population, develop herd immunity. The people of China uh, are thrilled to finally be out from under three years of restrictions and lockdowns, and they're starting to consume. The expectation is that we will see a surge in demand for food and energy commodities coming out of China. 
And the economic data out of the United States has been more resilient than expected as well, suggesting maybe stronger demand. So the funds were looking for an opportunity to get a little bit more ownership of the commodities. And then things started heating up in Russia and Ukraine. That war is probably intensifying rather than going away. The risks are seem to be increasing. And you throw in there today, they had a major assault on Ukraine as far as missiles on energy facilities. And even some unconfirmed chatter of missiles may be being seen near Romanian airspace as well. Perhaps starting rumors of possible more escalation. And finally, you throw in there the fact that because of a ransomware hacking incident that one of the major companies that supplies data to the CFTC for positions for their CFTC commitment of traders report has been missing for the last couple of weeks. We don't know when that's going to get started, so we don't fully know how short the funds were in some of these markets. All of a sudden, a lot of nerves coming together. The charts have started to turn. We have a breakout in the wheat market. Corn putting in a potential bullish reversal on the charts. The algo computers are adding buy orders, and we're finishing the week strong, at least as of this hour. A lot of things definitely surrounding this market trade, Arlen, as you highlighted many of them there. And I think overall, it'll be interesting to see where we close up here today, just how much strength we can hang on to here in the grains as we head into next week and continue to watch as well South American weather with uh, dryness concerns in Argentina playing in as a factor and then the delays in Brazil as well. Yeah, absolutely. We know that Brazil's going to have a big soybean crop. They're just getting ready to plant their big corn crop. And so we'll have the weather concerns there, and we don't know which way that's going to play out. A talk about the La Nina dying could create some tight planting windows in the eastern, maybe even the central Midwest this spring here in the United States. So corn has some reason to maintain some risk premium from that standpoint. World corn supplies are rather tight right now in addition to wheat supplies. Argentina's drought is continuing to bring down production estimates there for both soybeans and corn. So there's a lot of volatility yet in these markets. Over in livestock as well, I know we saw some cash cattle trade in the north Thursday afternoon, $4 higher than last week's weighted averages. Looking for more activity here yet today. Uh, cattle and hog futures markets, so relatively quiet and mixed. So what's your thoughts on the protein sector as we wrap up the week? Yeah, we're seeing most of our strength right now in the cattle market. The hog market's been trying to basically trade both sides. The cattle market, uh, as you mentioned a little bit of light activity. Some of the poor cattle that have sold so far and, and been low numbers have been steady with last week. The good cattle have been up to several dollars higher, as you indicated. So the very fact that we're trading on Friday is their most recent trend, indicating the feeders have more control. We're seeing weights since that winter blast in mid-December, down about 18 for steers, 18 pounds for carcass weights, lower since then, 21 pounds for heifers. That compares to typically we'd see about a five-pound decline. And we anticipate that we're going to be seeing these declining weights and lower weights now throughout the year as the numbers go down. We're starting to see maybe a potential bottoming in the choice cuts market maybe a month early this year because of that as well. So some good underlying fundamentals under this live cattle market. And once again, that is market analysis with Arlen Suderman, chief commodities economist at StoneX, talking to him around midday on Friday for our midday commentary. 
Well, the USDA's Foreign Ag Service says Brazil's 22-23 corn exports from October through September of last year are forecast to equal those of the U.S. at 51 million tons. Brazil has seen expanding production and strong exports in the second half of its 21-22 marketing year. Brazil's corn exports have exceeded those of the U.S. only one time in the drought year of 2012-2013. Since October of last year, Brazil has exported about 25 million tons of corn far more than the same period in any previous year. U.S. corn exports are off to a slow start. Production in 22-23 was smaller than initially expected, and logistical concerns on the Mississippi River made things difficult. Now, in the last several months, Brazil has stepped in to fill some of the gap left by Argentina and Ukraine in supplying the world's corn. But current export bids for U.S. corn are lower than Argentina and Brazil. Well, coming up next, we're going to continue our market conversation, recapping Friday's action. We will dive into the grain and livestock trade with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. He joins us next as we're back with more Market Talk of the Way right after the break. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, as we wrapped up the market trade for the week on Friday, we saw an extremely strong day in the wheat markets. That spilled over into the other grains as well. The soy complex found a lot of good strength. Corn was up moderately. Mixed day in livestock. Energy's crude oil was higher. We have plenty to run through and discuss. Joining us now... Pleased to have him back on the show with us, our good friend Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing in Britain, South Dakota. Dwayne, good to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, you too. No, absolutely. Uh, it's Weather's been a little bit better and days are getting longer. That's always a big thing when you live this far north. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, uh, that calendar just keeps inching closer and closer to spring planting. I mean, I know we're, yeah. you know, in February, but man, you know, April right around the corner for uh, many folks across the northern tier. And, you know, we might even see some planters rolling in Texas and Louisiana here in a couple of weeks. So that yeah. uh, that spring plantings, it's coming up real quick on us here as a season. We mm -hmm. kind of move out of winter and try to try to get into spring anyway. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good. Everyone likes it. Spring, the new beginnings. And, you know, when it comes to farming, I know we all think the same. It's that clean slate and perfect year. And we always set our expectations way too high because it usually seems like about April 30th. I'm going, I can't wait till next year. But uh, <laughs> anyway, right now I still got that clean slate and I'm pretty excited. <laughs> well, thinking about that clean slate, part of it is the markets too, which we don't necessarily get a clean slate with those, but we do get uh, plenty of market news to shift things one way or another. And, you know, Dwayne, since last time we talked, uh, it's been an interesting market. It's been kind of range bound, it feels like, for quite some time. But then Friday, we got a, a big move yeah. uh, to the upside led by the wheat markets i know uh some chatter from russia a five percent cut in oil production seemed like that you know buoyed the crude oil market which in turn supported some of the grains and oil seeds and then a little more increased tension with russia ukraine's war as we are working into the month of february it all seemed like that was maybe at least the one of the uh catalysts here to the move yeah. higher here led by the wheat market on friday yeah, you're right. Yeah, it really started overnight with the wheat market and starting to rally this morning and then just continued. And man, I love the closes today, too. You know, we can get one day pops and, and dips, right? But it's how you close. And today felt really good the way the wheat market closed. Yeah, tensions in Ukraine are definitely on the rise. Russia's been lining up troops for the past couple of weeks. And 
course, we're sending some tanks over to help Ukraine with the fight. And I've heard some rumors about February 15th as a big date. I don't know. I don't know if that's when the Russian troops will be in place to make their advancement. But anyway, tensions are on the rise, obviously. Some more sanctions on Russia, and that led to Russia, like you also mentioned, dipping their crude oil production. They promised they will cut back about 500,000 barrels per day starting next month. So that had the crude oil up well, but and when you get a rally in the wheat market and the crude oil market, corn was actually just a follower today, but a follower of about up 10 cents. So we'll take it. The chart pattern looks a lot better with a good close. And then as we're getting into the close here, getting a some information or rumors anyway that China's in there buying some more U.S. soybeans out of the Gulf for the reserves, which, you know, Jesse, you and I have talked enough. You know, that's one of my big things that through this COVID deal, China hasn't bought nearly as many beans as prior, but their their demand has stayed pretty consistent and steady. So I think their reserves are kind of sucking pipelines, sucking air a little bit. So I think they're going to need to rebuild the reserves here, especially as they come out of this COVID scare. Well, that China news you just mentioned, that would make sense as to why we saw a uh, bit of a pop in that bean market too late in the session. I wonder, you know, mm -hmm. getting some of that news and rumors into the trade maybe uh, was the catalyst to move us higher. And I know, you know, throughout the day, beans, bean oil was higher, especially even bean meal coming back after Thursday's sharp move. So I would have to think maybe that China chatter was uh, a, a reason why we moved higher there into the close. It sure seems like it with the bull spreading action, we saw, you know, honestly, earlier interview, I, I called soybeans the follower today. And here they are, you know, almost leading into the close. Like, say, yeah, I, I think there's definitely some truth behind this rumor that, I mean, is China still buying from Brazil? Absolutely. Are they going to gobble up that monster crop? Absolutely. But they, they continue to buy any of ours, Jesse. And remember, we don't have much of a cushion left in old crops. So, if our export demand continues to stay strong and the bears are counting on it falling off, well, then it equals higher prices because we we don't have a lot. We'd have to ration a little demand. Now, on the flip side of that, of course, our soybean basis is really tanked in the Midwest, at least the northern Midwest anyway for us. It kind of a sign that the export demand has actually drifted away from the PNW and crushers seem to be getting enough supplies for now. But, uh, you know, we had more prevent plant up here, so we'll see how that comes this summer. So, but yeah, very strong close for the bean market. Circling back to corn, I know you mentioned that as well, kind of the follower, but you were happy with the corn market, a little bit of uh, bull spreading there with uh, the old crop leading the way, you know, trying to get us back up to that 680 mark in March. And, and then just looking at this corn market, I know it's been pretty range bound, but one has to wonder if uh, we can get some of these news headlines that give us a reason to push back towards seven there in some of those old crop contracts and then keep that new crop well over six, hopefully. I, I just wonder what this corn market could do here uh, in the short term, Dwayne. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, <laughs> I'm happy with the close. I'm glad we're back above 680, but you brought up a very good point. Get back to some of these resistance levels that we've struggled with. Uh, mm -hmm. Was it 686, 690 area? And then, of course, you got the psychological $7, which we haven't seen for quite a while. I, I'm a little concerned it's great that wheat's rallying, but I don't think a wheat rally is enough for us to push above $7 in corn. And, and actually, the corn story kind of has gotten maybe a little bit more bearish since we talked last. Our export demand isn't anything great. USA failed to correct that by lowering the export demand in this month's report earlier this week. So that just means bears still have that story out there that eventually we're going to lower U.S. export demand for corn. And probably rightfully so. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know if I've got the new story. You know me, I've been a bull here, but I don't know if I can tell you that corn has to go above seven. So I like the rally, but if you've got some bushels that you're thinking about letting go soon or some remaining bushels, boy, up against that 686, 688 is probably not a bad spot to sell it. Well, and two, with corn, base is still fairly strong across parts yeah. of the country. So that's a, that's another thing to keep in mind as well here, especially as you said, if you got some bushels that you just, you, you're, it's time to get them gone, you're ready to get rid of them here of old crop. I think that's something interesting to consider as well. It's going to depend on where you're at, obviously. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Every, every farm is totally different. But yeah, if you're if you've been thinking about selling some bushels, that would be a great time to do it. You know, if the market dips back down to the trend line support back at like 670 or something, and you want to buy it back, then you absolutely can. The other thing starting to circulate is acreage uh, estimates for this new crop year. Now on the bearish side of that, it, people are really pushing corn acres higher and higher, at least on as far as the intentions go. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've heard, I've seen a lot of guys at 92 million and I, and I can buy into that. Heard one today of 94 million, and I'm just like, <laughs> okay, but someone's gonna be a big loser if we plant 94 million acres of corn. You know, that'd be about a five million acre increase. Remember, winter wheat's already up 3.7 million. So, and Jesse, I'm just flat out running out of acres then for soybeans and spring wheat. So, I, I don't think that can happen. Uh, but yeah, that's that's stories that'll be coming down here, especially this next month. We'll really start trading that acreage report. Well, and I wonder too, with the acreage side, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you about that as well. I mean, thinking here, Nat, gas prices have come down. We've seen fertilizer prices come down. What's that going to do here for farmers thinking going into spring? If they're looking at, and maybe they haven't booked some of those fertilizer needs yet, maybe they held off and didn't book last fall or didn't fall apply. Right. What's that going to do for the acreage battle here? Well, but I think... I think that's where that 94 million is coming in, Jesse, is I, I think, you know, lower fertilizer, people didn't book it. If you didn't, you got those acre, questionable acres. It's easier for them to go to corn than right now. It's just, it, here's my problem with that is we, we got to back up to last year. Um, corn was 750 in the spring and we planted 88 million or 89 million. So if higher prices can't do it, I, I don't know if cheap fertilizer is the only answer. Now, yeah, the bears will probably mention that cotton could lose 3 million acres and ah, maybe more like two. Cause honestly, if you own one of those cotton pickers, they're expensive. You're not going to just let it sit in the shed. Um, but that's where you can gain the corn acres is in the Delta and in North Dakota, as long as they don't have prevent plant. And, you know, as I mentioned prevent plant, I'm kind of the king of prevent plant up here. <laughs> it seems like Northeast South Dakota to the North of me, we have a lot of it. We just can't get rid of the water in our heavy soils very quickly. Um, Right now, even with the 92 million acres of corn and the acreage estimates everyone have, we've got us lowering our prevent plant acres well below the average, which is 4.2. We've got it down to like a 2.1 is the only way we can make it work. We've only been that low in prevent plant three times, Jesse, since 2010. So it, if we start to change and start to have a wet, cool forecast for spring, well, then that corn acreage could really dip and then we could rally quite a bit for the new crop. So, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I know I'm talking both ways, you know, sell it if you're close because we're up against resistance. But this uh, this spring, we could have an acreage battle that could be fairly epic because I just don't, I can't calculate all the acres. Everyone's coming up with magically. We're having a conversation with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. We'll continue that coming up after the break. Back with more Market Talk right after this.
Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we're having a conversation today with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. Dwayne, uh, new crop thoughts here real quick. Corn, beans. Um, looking at some of the price levels we see there. Any any thoughts with some of that forward marketing uh, changed in your mind since we last talked here as we look at the market trade wrapping up the week? You know, it, it really hasn't. And I'll definitely throw a disclaimers out there that I have no problem with risk management. And that's what people should be doing. If you're looking at your break evens and want to sell fine, I, I feel like here I, I try to just tell them honestly where I think the highs are going to be because of this acreage battle I just mentioned. I'm not really putting price targets. I'm more or less just waiting for a time frame. And that time frame is probably in that April, May time frame. I, I think we're going to have some sort of acreage battle, a weather scare that gives us a spike higher. And during that time frame, wherever the prices are, that's when I'm going to get very aggressive, Jesse. I will let go the rest of my old crop. I'll hedge a lot of my new crop. Kind of backwards thinking, I know. This isn't, you know, the stereotypical. You know, you sell such percentage as you go along. But, you know, honestly, that time frame of year is usually the best time anyway. So I, I just think you got to be aggressive. And these last two years, Jesse, are not your typical marketing years. Uh, usually when I make a marketing plan, I look at the, the bottom line and I'll call it the profit per acre. Well, if I did just that, my job would have been pretty easy. These last couple of years, we would have been done in January and just moved on. But everyone has asked me, well, how high can we get? They want to make as much as they can on these years. And I think we can be a little patient this year. Well, I know you had brought up the WASDE report earlier from uh, this week. You know, a couple number changes in the U.S. side. I know we got a cut to crush. We got some of the ethanol numbers for corn reduced. But the biggest numbers were South America. We expected that. Mm -hmm. Nothing changed for Brazil, but Argentina's numbers, core beans coming down. As you look at the South American situation, we know that it's a, a pretty uh, pretty rough situation in Argentina. And then we're a little bit delayed with rains in Brazil right now for soybean harvest and safrita mm -hmm. planting. So what's your assessment of South America and how that's all playing into the markets here right now? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, USDA did cut some of the production in Argentina for their corn and beans. I think they have more cuts to go there. That that crop is really seeing a pretty nasty drought when you look at the rainfall totals and the temperatures. I, I think there's more cuts to come there and probably why soybean meal is so strong up here, right? You know, kind of counteracting that. Uh, as far as Brazil, they look pretty good, but you're right. There is a little bit of a delay there. And let's watch the weather really closely the next two weeks. That's a free and a corn crop, you know, it sounds funny to say, well, why are you so bullish corn if they're getting too much rain now? Well, it, it, it's because of their climate. That rain season just ends at a certain point. It just really stops, seems to stop raining. So if their corn's pollinating during that time frame, which would be if they got delayed here, that will be a bullish situation. Now, Brazil uh, is selling a ton of corn to China ever since they signed their agreement. 
And that's not good for us corn producers. That's why our exports are so poor here. So there's a double-edged sword there. If the rains kind of dry off and they can get that corn planted, well, then I'm going to have to change my tune. And I'm talking to you next time and go, oh, yeah, by the way, I sold my old crop corn because I freaked out because <laughs> that, that could happen too. Dwayne, let's move over to livestock. Let's talk about what you're seeing there. This cattle market, uh, fairly quiet futures trade on Friday, but I know we're yeah. keeping an eye on that cash market. I know some northern trade was about $4 higher Thursday. Southern yeah. trade still in a standoff there, it appears. This, uh, this cash market for cattle has been really interesting to watch the last week to 10 days or so. It has, and it's a tough market to follow too, because you know it's tough to get a lot of details, right? But yeah, I've heard that too that some cattle traded about four dollars higher in the north. But then when I look at some of the USDA numbers, some of them are around that one fifty eight, one fifty nine, not that good so far this week. But then I had a smart producer ask me, well, where are those cattle coming from? Because he said you got some really different feedlot conditions this winter. You know, you got Nebraska's had a lot of moisture after being dry early, got a lot of mud in those pens. That means those cattle are carrying a lot of mud so and packers see that obviously and know that and they'll just dock those you know a different price of course so maybe that's the lower usda trade you see and then you get the higher up north trade so it's been all over the board but you also had cutouts higher this week slaughter down a little bit again this week and you had weights down the slaughter weights were down significantly for steers and heifers so that'll equal less production all of it to me points to a bullish market a little bit higher you know, we, we made the new contract highs last week and we did a little bit of profit taking this week, but we're still very close to those highs. Still looks like a very strong market to me and a market that will make another leg higher either next week. I'm going to say it will make the leg higher next week, I think. I think once you and I get done with this interview, they probably start announcing cash cattle trade higher, I, I'm guessing, since it'll be the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that would be typical for a, for a late Friday afternoon. Dwayne, yep. um, Am I hedging cattle here? Am I waiting to see? What are your thoughts there? I sure am not going to stop somebody hedging cattle here. These are good profits. I, the, the problem with and why I'm hesitating is I tell guys, you know, this market looks good. Like I just ranted on about, right? And so it looks like it's got a little bit more. If you're going to wait and not hedge, though, you have to be a better disciplined than I am. That means you've got to sell the market when it turns and goes the other way. So I'm going to say, yes, it is a good idea to start hedging cattle here. Um, and really what I want to and have been working on is our cow calf guys for next year. You know, look at put options, LRP for next year. You don't have to go at the market. You can go under the market a ways if you want. If you want to cheapen it up because it is a lot of time. So, of course, put options are very expensive that far out. But you're talking, you know, $10. Even if you go under the money, you're talking $10, $15 higher than you just got. And you were happy with those prices. So. That's a long time for the cattle market to stay very bullish. You know, that's an industry that has goofy things like pink slime and, you know, Oprah hating meat, just all sorts of dumb things that can happen. So, yes, it's time to start hedging some cattle. On feeder cattle, too, I know, obviously, watching the corn market, watching feed costs here, some really Ooh. good numbers in that feeder cattle uh, trade as well right now, Dwayne. Yeah, and like, so that's the one I'm really watching. You know, you look out to next year, ne next November at 214. Yep. Uh, boy, that's a darn good ticket right there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, probably time to start putting some of that on. Even the upfront month, you know, March at 186, the index is only about 183. But climbing, I don't know. Hey, we've struggled to settle these feeder cattle contracts above 180, actually. So, until I see it close above that, it's hard to get that crazy bullish at 186. And 
not a buyer of the feeder cattle market here, and I might be wrong, but it's just it's too high for me to play to the long side. Hog market, you know, save our, our favorite for last. This has been a market that's just struggled, Dwayne. Uh, uh, you know, it's struggled for months here. I know that Feb contract getting ready to uh, go off the board next week. It's staying pretty close to cash, but the deferreds have just been all, all over the place. I, I'm struggling to find something good to say about the hog market. Let's just put it that way. Maybe you have something good to say for me. No, I'm sorry. I really don't either. I, I know seasonally we're supposed to have lower production moving forward, but we're not this year. We, we've got higher numbers and higher production coming. So, yeah, look for that February to go off between that 75 and 76. And guess where I think April is going to end up going off? Um, maybe maybe 72 to 76. And we're at 83 right now. And I, I know it sounds weird because it's such an ugly chart. And Gosh, it should find support. I, I'm not seeing it, at least not fundamentally. It's actually one of the drags on the cattle market is just how cheap the pork is. So, yeah, I no, don't have anything good going there. Uh, China's buying a little bit from us, but not enough to save this market, not enough to use up all this extra production we have. So I'm a hedger and a seller of the hog market still. Sorry. Well, and I'd have to think two uh, chicken wing sales this weekend might take a little bit of, uh, out of the pork <laughs> and, and the beef market, too. I I, I will eat my share and then some, I know for sure. <laughs> I, was, I suppose, you know, maybe maybe this is the final market question, quote unquote, uh, who you got this weekend in the game, Eagles, Chiefs. Well, <laughs> oh man. It, okay, being a Vikings fan, it's hard for me to cheer for the Eagles, but we, we've got a hometown boy in Dallas Goddard that came from my tiny little town of about 1,200 people. So I'm probably more or less just rooting for one individual player than either one of the teams. So we're, we're going to hope Dallas can, I'm more of a blocking guy. I want to see him lay somebody out on the field, but uh, a touchdown <laughs> would be all right for our hometown boy too. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to say I am rooting for Kansas city as I am marrying into a chief's family. So <laughs> that is my answer. That is my official. Answer <laughs> here on that, one. that is just a smart man. Smart man. It's already sounding like a good husband. She's already training you. Well, that's good. She, she <laughs> is training me very well. Dwayne, appreciate the time as always, buddy. If folks want to reach out to you for uh farm marketing advice and want to talk yeah. about their operation, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, they can call us here directly, 605-448-2365, and they can check us out online at boltmarketingllc.com. With that, Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing, always a pleasure, sir. Have a great one. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jesse. And once again, that's market analysis here today on the show with Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing. Wrap it up Friday's trade. Let's look at some of the closing numbers. March corn was up nine and three quarters at 680 and a half. New crop December corn was up five and a half at 596. Soybeans for March up 23 and a quarter, 1542 and a half. New crop November beans on Friday were up 13 and a half, 1378 and three quarters. Bean meal March up 390 a ton, 499.40. March bean oil up 150.6054. Chicago wheat March up 28 and three quarters, 786. July was up 25 and three quarters, 799. March Kansas City wheat up 30 cents on Friday at 909. July KC wheat was up 26 and a half, 882 and a quarter. Spring wheat March up 13 at 930 and a quarter. July up 12 and three quarters, 9. 
nine seventeen and a quarter. Oats for March down four to quarter, three seventy six and three quarters. Looking at the cotton market, March was down twenty three points, eighty five twenty seven. In livestock, live cattle February up thirty seven one sixty one twenty. April up thirty two one sixty three ninety five. June up twenty two one fifty nine seventy five. Feeder cattle March down forty two one eighty six forty. April down five one ninety sixty seven. Feb hogs up 575.87. April hogs unchanged 83.32. May hogs up 17.93.20. Coming up next, we'll talk pork with Christine McCracken of Rumble Bank. Back with more market talk on the way right after this. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on the program, pleased to have back with us Christine McCracken, Senior Analyst of Animal Protein with Robble Bank, Robble AgriFinance. Christine, great to have you with us here on the show once again. I hope you're doing well. I am. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. And good to see you as well as we talk about the Global Pork Quarterly for Quarter Water 2023. Sounds like uh, a little bit of caution out there in this pork market, in this pork industry. New report here from Robo Research, Christine. And just if you can, can you can you give us the thousand foot view, the highlights here, just to start off our conversation today? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we we broke any new ground. I, I think everyone's pretty much aware that it's it's a rough start to the year. We had a lot of protein kind of hanging on the market uh, here in January. That's put some pressure on on margins, and and I think it's not just here. It's it's in it. Uh, around the world, uh, the the pickup from China maybe hasn't been quite as fast or furious as we all were hoping for, um, and and I think that that uh, may be on the come. But I I think there's some questions about the consumer and and how they're going to react to higher price protein and especially in a weaker economic environment and that we raised in the report. And and at the same time, we we continue to face pretty high costs. So tough start to the year, uh, I think, for most of the industry, especially here in the U.S. Well, let's look a little bit regionally as well. I know this U.S. herd is uh, has been an inflection point here. Uh, talk about some of the findings that you guys found when it comes to the uh, the hog herd here in the U.S. Well, I, I, I think that as we think about uh, the opportunity for growth here in the U.S., and, and, you know, we've gone through kind of a few years now of declining herd size. So, so we're really looking for the green shoots um, and what might create some some opportunity for growth. And and part of what we were thinking, uh, you know, for later this year is that we'd have some some opportunity for for increased demand around, um, you know, this this big hole in the the beef supply that we're going to have um, creating some opportunity for pork and chicken. So so for the hog herd here in the U.S., um, starting to think about when we see that inflection point. And, and in that December report, obviously, um, some indication that guys are starting to think about, uh, you know, increasing production. Um, but it's a really tough time, I think, when you're seeing these kind of losses, especially now to start the year and some of the uncertainty. So I, I wouldn't say we're going to see a, a a liftoff, you know, any big, mm-hmm. uh, quick increase. But I, I do think that we're starting to see a little better health in some areas, um, maybe some opportunity for growth and, and tied to that that uh, drop in beef supply that we're expecting. 
Now, I know you mentioned China. China, of course, is a big point here to watch, I think, in the global pork industry. We've seen prices over there really take a hit, plunging, uh, and a lot of it, I I think, tied to COVID. Uh, Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about the situation when it comes to China's pork industry right now. Well, they've they've had a really tough time. You know, obviously, they'd they'd started to recover and then get that really locked down. So they really didn't have much of a local market for their pork. And and those producers still facing, you know, some pretty high costs. Global feed markets are still very expensive. And and again, when you have a weak consumer, it's just really tough to know when to expand. So they were sitting on a lot of inventory, um, you know, through the end of last year. And I think um, you started to really see not just... Uh, things start to recover a little bit as, as things opened up, but but maybe a little bit of improvement in cost. So, you know, now they started to see a little bit of, of recovery in, in the outlook for their markets, started to see um, some increase in production, but they, they continue to face obviously a lot of challenges tied to ASF in some regions, still a lot of uncertainty about how quickly um, that market's gonna recover. And so, you know, again, I, I wouldn't look for any massive uh, uptake in, in pork out of China. ASF, African swine fever, I know that is a, a hot topic in the industry. Uh, Japanese encephalitis virus, JEV, is another issue out there. We have PERS issues in some parts of the U.S. So different diseases out there. In your research, in this report, did you guys look at some of those factors when it comes to disease and how that could impact the outlook for pork here in 2023? Yeah, and I, I do think that we continue to face those challenges. I think a lot of it is is about management and, and making sure that we're doing everything we can to to keep uh, our animals as healthy, healthy as they can be. I know that we've really stepped things up here in North America, uh, both in Mexico, Canada, and, and the U.S. Um, but when we think about it from a global perspective, I think disruption creates opportunity in some cases. We saw that with ASF. Um, obviously, when they were struggling, JEV is in some parts of the world, uh, like Australia, been a big disruptor. Um, you think about just the global protein supplies um, being really challenged in some regions, and and that's why it's so important to have production spread throughout the world and really be able to kind of offset some of, of those shortages when when they arise. You know, this year a, a lot of the disruptions been in poultry. Uh, we talked about that before in terms of high pet. That creates again some opportunity for the pork industry to go in and and really fill some of those holes so that consumers have, you know, ample supplies of low cost protein to to uh in their stores. Well, Christine, before we wrap it up, a lot of great research and insight. I know we'll make this uh, link available on our website as well. Any final thoughts you would have for us just looking at this uh, latest report, looking at pork here from Rabobank? Well, I I think it is really about this global balance. So when we think about uh, the opportunities around the shrinking U.S. uh, cattle herd and and what that could mean for our our, population, pork industry. I, you know, I am relatively positive. I do think that high retail prices until this point have been a bit of a challenge for moving a lot of product. I do see um, maybe some relief coming there. So there's some some green shoots, as it were, 
um, to, to get positive about when we think about the outlook for uh, 2023. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate the time with that. Senior Analyst, Animal Protein with Bank, Christine McCracken. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Great to be with you. That's going to do it for Market Talk today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.